Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Wow, what a couple of days, huh? Celebrating the 60th anniversary, the courage of the Greensboro Four, the Super Bowl, and now the debut of Locked On ACC. It is Monday, February 3rd. And you are listening to the maiden voyage of Locked On ACC, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Brian Wilmer. I'm your host. We have a lot to get to today. However, before we do, a couple of quick housekeeping notes. If you want to tweet the program at any point, you can do so at Locked On ACC. You can also email us at LockedOnACC at gmail.com. A couple of things that I want to introduce the program with and kind of introduce myself with, as you might imagine, because... Some of you who are listening know me. Some of you who are listening probably don't. So it's good to let you know whom you're hearing. We'll go over that in the first segment. The second segment, we'll look back on the weekend in basketball around the league. And then in the third segment, something slightly different. Something you may not have heard. You're probably wondering about, when I go to a game, I have all these different experience things around me. I'm not just there to watch a game. There are other things that happen. What goes into all that? Give you a little more insight into that in the third segment. We'll start by introducing who I am and who you're hearing, whether you know me, whether you don't. It's probably good that you at least hear this first part. As I mentioned, I am Brian Wilmer. I am a national columnist for FB Schedules, which is at fbschedules.com, and for College Hoops Digest, which is at ncaahoopsdigest.com. Been doing this for a few years now. I've been podcasting longer, actually. This is my first foray into national ACC broadcasts. You probably see in the podcast description that is a football and basketball podcast, and we'll absolutely focus on those sports. However, there are other sports that go on around the ACC. We'll take a look at baseball, because baseball is right around the corner. It is 74 degrees outside the palatial studios of Locked On ACC. Amazingly. February 3rd, 74 degrees. That's why you moved down here. Baseball's right around the corner. We'll talk about that. We don't get into recruiting as much, but recruiting is winding down. We'll also try and sneak in a few tidbits about women's sports from time to time. Along with that, we'll have a few special segments. There are a few things into which we'll dive a little more deeply. We'll call those TLDR. Too long didn't read if you're familiar with internet terminology. We'll also break out some hashtag GoACC moments from time to time. If you've ever heard me behind a microphone, you know I love to make fun of silly things and dumb criminals and et cetera, et cetera. And we'll sneak in a couple of those from time to time, things that happen within the ACC footprint, because heaven knows there are plenty of those. Now, a little more about me. I am a native Virginian, even though I mentioned I am in South Carolina. I'm a native Virginian. Grew up pretty much... Almost equidistant, maybe a little further from Blacksburg, but almost equidistant between Charlottesville and Blacksburg. So I'm a long-suffering UVA fan. I will talk about UVA quite a bit on this program. However, there are 15 schools in the ACC, and we'll mention all of them at one point or another. It's not just going to be a UVA-centric podcast. You don't want to hear that. I don't want to talk about it. Something else I'll mention, too. I tend to be one who takes what I do seriously, but I don't always take myself seriously. So you'll occasionally hear me uh, kind of cracking on myself and whatever else, because 
frankly, the best jokes I make are those about myself. I also want to introduce the opportunity for you to have your voice heard. Yes, I know this is not a live program. We're not actually on a radio network, but you can still get the feel as though you're calling in. If you have a voice app on your phone, whether it is an iPhone, an Android, whatever else, you can send in your thoughts, a couple of questions that you may want to keep in mind. When I'm doing this, am I adding value? Because if I'm going to play it, obviously, I want it to be something that adds value to the program. Am I keeping it clean? I don't ask you to be completely G-rated in everything you say, but at least keep it a family program if you don't mind. And also, am I running too long when I do this? I prefer, because this is only going to be a 30-minute podcast or so every day. I'd rather you not take 25 minutes with your thoughts about the ACC. So try and keep it to a minute or so. As long as you have those three things accounted for, you can send in your voice memos at any point. You can send them to lockedonacc at gmail.com. You can feel as though your voice is being heard on the program, and we'll feature those as we can, but I'd love to hear from you. Also, if you have topic ideas, if you have segment ideas, if you have things you'd like to see me go over, whatever it may be, please send them. Again, at LockedOnACC on Twitter, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. Just mentioned this is going to be a 30-minute-ish daily podcast during the week about ACC sports. I'm excited to do this. Hopefully you're excited to share the journey through the ACC with me. I have been fortunate enough to cover three ACC teams that went on to win national championships in basketball, Duke, Carolina, Virginia. I have covered ACC football championships, which sometimes that's fun. Sometimes that's not. You know that as a viewer of ACC football championships. I guess at the root, it's always fun, but some of the games get a little sideways from time to time. And I'm happy to share this perspective with you as both a media person and a fan. It's kind of rare to get that perspective in sports these days, and I'd love to bring it to you. I'll also encourage you to check out the other podcasts on our podcast network. We have pretty much any podcast for any taste you may have as a fan, anybody you may want to hear a little more about, we probably have a podcast to cover it. We are rolling out major conference podcasts. You hear Locked on ACC right now. We're eventually going to have podcasts for all five major conferences. I'll also warn you, being a bit of an underdog advocate, I don't always use the term power five, but I will here. We also have podcasts for your favorite team, whether it be Oh, just to throw them out there because I've heard them, the Cleveland Browns, the Milwaukee Brewers, whatever it may be, there's a podcast for you, and you can find it on Locked On. You can subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. You can look for Locked On and then your favorite team. You can also visit LockedOnPodcast.com and find out more about the Locked On Podcast Network. Finally, As we wind down the first segment here and you get to know who I am and get to know why I'm speaking to you, you can also follow me on my personal Twitter if you'd rather follow my rambling thoughts about stuff. I am at Sports Matters on Twitter. That is at Sports Matters, obviously all one word. Bit of caution, I do tweet a lot. I do tweet a lot of various memes, a lot of unfunny jokes, et cetera, et cetera. But I'd love to have you follow me. So now that you've found out who I am, 
Let's go ahead and take the first break of the program. We'll come back, go to segment two, talk about the weekend around ACC basketball, which you can look forward to tonight. You are listening to Locked On ACC. Welcome back to Locked On ACC. I'm Brian Wilmer. I'm your host. Segment two, basketball time. We'll look back at the weekend in hoops around the ACC. Some interesting games. Some games that, uh, quite frankly, it's fine if we never talk about them again. But we'll start with Notre Dame getting a home victory over Georgia Tech 80-72 to over the weekend. Jose Alvarado had 25 points for the Jackets. He was 10 of 19 from the floor. 3 of 7 from 3 for Alvarado. He had all but one of Tech's connected triples. They were 4 of 18 from 3. That's going to be a theme throughout this conversation, just to let you know. They shot 22.2%. The other make came from Bubba Parham. He hit 1 of 3. Georgia Tech, now get this. This is kind of telling. There are some other things, obviously, that contributed to this game. Georgia Tech, 8 of 12 from the line. Notre Dame, 22 of 28. Yes, that game in South Bend, you might expect a little bit of an advantage for the Irish. However, probably not a good sign if you are getting to the line 12 times while your opponents get there 28 times. Again, we'll talk about that some more during this segment. During the remainder of the program, Notre Dame paced by John Mooney. He led all scorers with 28. He was 9 of 18 from the floor. Again, probably a problem if you can't contain John Mooney. He also had 10 of the Irish's 32 boards. Notre Dame also got solid contributions from TJ Gibbs, who had 19. Dane Goodwin, 14. Rex Fluger had 13 for the Irish. This is where it starts getting interesting. We had a string of four ACC teams in a row lose home games. On Saturday. Starting with Louisville clobbering NC State 77-57. I saw online over the weekend as I was covering another game. This was called the Ryan McMahon game. Pretty good reason to call it that. McMahon torched the pack for 23. hit 8 of 12 from the floor and 7 of 10 from beyond the arc. The good news for State, if you want to call it good news, they somewhat contained Jordan Mora. Kept him to 3 of 13 from the floor, 0 of 4 from beyond the arc, but he hit all eight free throws he tried and grabbed nine boards. Again, probably not a good strategy to let Jordan Mora go off inside. Cardinals not named Ryan McMahon hit 4 of 10 from 3, but that didn't matter either. Louisville shot 55% from distance, 11 of 20. State hit just 32.8% of its tries from the field. They were 20 of 61 and told you, The three-point shooting would become a theme. They were 5 of 23, 21.7% from distance. C.J. Bryce led the pack. He had 15. And D.J. Funderburk made it to double figures, but only hit 2 of 8 from the field. He did hit 7 of 10 from the line to get him into double digits. Next home team to lose in the ACC, the Virginia Tech Hokies. They fell to Florida State 74-63. This is a pretty incredible number. Florida State scored 74 points and won by 11, despite just one Seminole finishing in double figures. Devin Vassell had 27 in that game, the 27 being a career high for Vassell. He was 7 of 7 from distance. 
You thought Ryan McMahon had a good day from beyond the air. Four Seminoles finished with seven points each. Wyatt Wilkes had eight for Florida State. Tyrese Radford led the Hokies. He had 18 on eight of 10 from the floor. Landers Nolly tallied 14 for the Hokies, but he only hit five of 16 from the field. And then there's the Cole Anthony game. We heard fairly early Saturday, again, I was covering another game, and I, I commented to several people around me, saying, hey, Cole Anthony's back. We also commented that the NCAA would find a way to sneak a 14, 15, 16 loss UNC team into the tournament. Yeah, maybe not. Cole Anthony did come back, but it still didn't help the heels get into the win column. Anthony had 26, but he hit just 5 of 14 tries from the field and tallied over half of his points from the charity stripe. He was 14 of 14 from the line. Anthony Garrison Brooks and Brandon Robinson combined to go 15 for 45 from the field. The rest of the heels hit just 7 of 16 shots. Carolina shot 36.1% from the field, and there's that pesky 21.1% from three again. Jared Hamilton played 31 minutes for BC off the bench, knocked down 6 of 12 from the field. Now, get this. I am kind of an aficionado for strange stats, and this is really strange. Carolina out-rebounded BC 42-35. They committed three fewer turnovers, 15-12, and attempted 15 more free throws than did the Eagles, 32-17, and still lost. Tough year for Carolina. Tough year. Of course, Carolina fans will tell you it'll be better next year, and it might. But this is shaping up to be barely better than that bad Matt Doherty year, and everybody remembers that if you're a Carolina fan. Duke clipped Syracuse in the Dome in a wild game, 97-88. Five Blue Devils finished in double figures. Vernon Carey took it to the Orange, 26 points, 17 boards. Six of those offensive, we'll talk more about Carey in just a bit, but he was 9 of 14 from the field, 8 of 10 from the line. While we're talking about free throws, free throw shooting, if you've watched any game, if you've covered basketball, I mentioned I've covered a lot of games this year, you know that free throw shooting is falling off nationwide. Duke deserves mention for its effort from the stripe Saturday night. They hit 29 of 33 from the line. Trey Jones hit 10 of 10 himself. The teams combined now, <laughs> everybody talks about whistles. Everybody talks about officials at all. If you've ever heard from me, you've heard of my thoughts on Ted Valentine and some of the other officials around the ACC. But teams combined to commit 54 fouls and attempt 70 free throws. 54 fouls, 70 free throws. Now, maybe it's just me. I'm not a big fan of watching games that have 54 fouls and 70 free throws. We have to do better than that. Dolzhai and Hughes had 43 for the Qs, although Hughes really struggled from distance. He was one of nine, and Syracuse, stop me if you've heard this before, was just six of 26 from beyond the arc. Syracuse, however, did hang around, despite hitting just 38.8% of their 70 tries from the field. The final game Saturday, Wake Forest gets a 56-44 victory in the Joel over Clemson. I'd tell these teams to put the game film from this one under a rocket and shoot it toward the sun, but with the way that game shook out, they'd probably miss. Clemson hit 31% from the field, Wake Forest 35%. The teams, again, you'll notice the theme here, combined to hit 11 of 46 from three. Clemson was 4 of 21, Wake 7 of 25. Clemson scored 
0.667 points per possession. That is two-thirds of a point per possession on 66 trips. They scored 30.3% of the time and turned it over 22.7%. That's not an ideal ratio. Wake made just 62 trips. They scored 0.903 points per possession. Scored 40.3% of the time, turned it over 21%. Clemson hit eight shots in the first half. Wake hit nine. And yeah, that's probably enough of that. And then yesterday, Pitt 62, Miami 57. Miami was three of 22 from three, 13.6%. When you don't have Chris Likes in the lineup and some of the other firepower for the Canes, that'll happen. Miami had zero bench points. Zero. That also not ideal, but Pitt only had four. Ryan Murphy, the Panthers guard, was out with a concussion, but they got a pretty nice three-guard contribution from McGowan's Tony and Johnson to pick up the slack. They had 45 of Pitt's 62 from the guard spots. Tony also had 10 boards, five of them offensive. Turnovers played a pretty significant role in this one. Miami committed just two more turnovers than did Pitt, 13-11, but the Panthers did an incredible job of converting those miscues. Pitt had a dizzying 22-6 advantage off of turnovers. Only one game tonight, Carolina at Florida State. That is a 7 o'clock tip over ESPN. Carolina getting nine and a hook in Tallahassee. Mentioned we would talk a little more about Vernon Carey, and we will. Our buddy Sean Crest over at Duke Maven talks about the Duke star. Sean points out that Vernon Carey swept both ACC Weekly Awards for the week ending February 3rd. Carey had 26 points in back-to-back wins over Pittsburgh and Syracuse. He was the ACC Player of the Week for the second time this season. Of course, shared it with Michael DeVoe from Georgia Tech on November 25th. He and Trey Jones are two-time winners for the Blue Devils this year. It's the first time Duke's had a pair of multiple Player of the Week award winners since 2017 and 18, when Grayson Allen and Marvin Bagley II each won twice. It's the third year in a row a Duke freshman's won the Player of the Week award twice in a season. In addition to Bagley and Carey, Zion Williamson, of course, won it twice last year. Carey also named ACC Rookie of the Week for the fourth time this year. He won it on November 25th, December 9th, and December 23rd. Sean points out it's the third year in a row and sixth time in the last seven years the Blue Devils won four or more Rookie of the Week honors. Carey joins Williamson, who had four in 2018-19. Bagley, who had seven in 2017-18. and Brandon Ingram had four in 2015-16. and Jalil Okafor had 8 in 2014 and 15, and Jabari Parker had 10 in 2013 and 14. Prior to that win streak, Duke only had four four-time winners. Austin Rivers had 9, Luol Dang 6, and Chris Duhon and Kyle Singler had 4 each. So, big week for Vernon Carey, recognized by the Atlantic Coast Conference. Basketball starting to heat up around the ACC. Obviously, we'll talk a lot more about basketball with March Madness on the way. It's only going to get hotter from here. We'll have it right here on Locked On ACC. Time now for the second break of the program. We'll come back and talk a little marketing. You want to stay around, don't you? Of course you do. This is Locked On ACC. If you've been a listener of any Locked On podcast, you've probably heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But what you may not know is that Locked On ACC is a great way for your local business to reach passionate ACC fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. 
If your company wants to connect with ACC fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. You can text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Locked On ACC. Segment three. Mentioned we were talking about marketing in this segment, and you probably don't think of marketing when you think of ACC or attending a game or whatever else, but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes with which you may not be all that aware. You've probably been sitting at a game and team scores six or eight in a row, and there's that what we call in the media the machine gun timeout, you know, where a coach gets up and just frustratedly smacks his hands together and calls a timeout. And then, of course, once that timeout happens, the music hits, the people go crazy. You've seen it. Whether you've been live in the arena or watching it on TV, you're familiar with how that all works. An interesting bit of insight from Pat Kelsey, who is the Winthrop University basketball coach, and Winthrop is its own interesting story. But Pat is a former Wake Forest assistant. And he talked about with us kind of the, I guess, genesis of the Wake Forest fan experience tie-dye nation, et cetera, et cetera. Some pretty amusing conversation about how Wake Forest's experience, although, of course, now it's a little bit different. The, uh, the team not as successful as it was in those days, but Coach Kelsey talked with us about how all that got started and the concept of what he refers to as a hot timeout, Winthrop University coach Pat Kelsey. So we learned hot timeout in 2002 when I was at Wake Forest. And we went up and played Marquette. Tom Crean was the head coach there. And we were getting ready, long story short, we were getting ready to play Duke the next game on Saturday at our place. This is our, our first, first year? No, second year. Second year at Wake Forest. And we go up and play Marquette and they had Dwayne Wade. And we're playing at the Bradley Center. And Coach, coach Crean is, was, is known as a really innovative kind of marketer, kind of like how Coach Prosser was, sort of where I learned a lot of stuff. And we were playing at the Bradley Center. Place was packed, and they had fireworks and motorcycles and stuff and everything. The intros were unbelievable, and place was packed and hopping. Coach Prosser said to me after the game, "We need all this on Saturday at the Joel Coliseum." And I was like, "I was DBO," and I'm like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "This has. To, we need this type of atmosphere at our place against Duke on Saturday." So. We how just, many, we how just, many days did you have? Did four. Four days. <laughs> three. And I just start running around the Marquette Bradley Center, finding anybody at Marquette that would listen to me that's in marketing and said, and got some people. And I said, I need all this. Like, what do you mean? And they had some guy named Todd something, and he ran, he was, ran music in motion, basically a DJ, but he had all these theatrics and smoke machines and all this stuff. And I was like, I, I, I need all this on Saturday. And he goes, what do you mean? Like, Whatever it takes, ship all this down. We're flying you down. Let's make it happen. And um, luckily, Marquette didn't have a home game, so we got all this stuff down there. Um, Craig Kylitz was the director of marketing at Wake Forest. When I first got back to campus, he was looking at me like, what are you talking about? Like, chill out. You're the basketball coach. I'm the marketing guy. 
but but to his credit, he 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 made it all happen, right? He said, "Okay, we're going to do this," and um, and that was really cool. Like the relationship we had with the marketing staff at Wake Forest and the creativity that Coach Prosser had, and our marketing staff had, and Coach Mack, who's at Louisville, and myself were young assistants and liked all that stuff. We got all that stacked stuff down for the Duke game. It was the first game we brought the. Demon Deacon out on the Harley motorcycle, and Coach K lost his mind because of all the exhaust and smoke, and got ticked off and called the ACC. And the commissioner of the ACC called Coach Prosser the next day and said, "You know what, what's going on? Exhaust and all." And, and I remember Coach saying, "Like, hold on, I'm, I'm a guy that follows rules. Tell me the rules. Are we allowed to beat Duke? Or are we not allowed to beat Duke?" <laughs> because you know we didn't hear a lot of complaining because we won that game. And really, that was kind of like the thing that ignited Tie-Dye Nation and got, you know, that game. Justin Gray was in the game. Justin Gray broke his jaw a month prior at Duke and missed a month, wired his jaw shut, sipped out of a straw for a month, and then came back for that game. They took the wire out that day. He was skinny as heck, and he had some weird, crazy-looking mask they put on him. And Justin had, like, 21, and we beat him, and... Players were crowd surfing. Place was going nuts. But anyway, long story short, your answer was that Marquette thing when we got to know those people and they talked about this concept called hot timeout. And they said when the crowd goes crazy on a scale of 1 to 10, if it's a 5 or above, so, you know, 5 out of 10, you got to have the music ready and you got to hit it right away. And Emily's unbelievable at it. She's, she's, she just has it right there. And, and it's funny, in the middle of the game, I know it. As soon as the timeout calls out and I look at her and she, like, winks and hits the button. And then, like, goes crazy. I'm one of these weird coaches that pays attention to that. I notice what's going on. I notice the ushers. You know, I want to know how the concession stands were after the game. I want to, I'm, I, I'm into all that stuff. and Just how I am. Luckily, Ken puts up with me and he lets me be me. Winthrop coach Pat Kelsey talking about the marketing plan at Wake Forest and the huge win they had over Duke years ago that really sparked a lot of what you saw from Wake Forest through their successful years. Also, kind of apropos of this discussion, Kelsey, one of the names mentioned if Wake Forest opens its job after the year. Not sure either of those happen. I'm not sure that Wake Forest opens its job, and I'm not sure that Coach Kelsey would be the one to take it. But of course, Coach Kelsey has quite the affinity for Wake Forest. You can hear it in his voice. I'm not one to say conferences are better if so-and-so is good or leagues are better if so-and-so is good or whatever else. But the, the way that Wake Forest has completely fallen off the basketball map in the span of just a few years is alarming. I think we can all pretty much agree on that. As we wind down today's program, let's take a look around the ACC, look at the standings. Louisville, of course, tops the league. They are 19-3 and overall, 10-1 and in ACC play. Duke behind them, 18-3, and 8-2. Florida State, also 18-3, 8-2. Virginia, 14-6, and 6-4 in the ACC. They are fourth. Syracuse, 13-9, and 6-5. North Carolina State, 14-8, and 5-6. Virginia Tech, also 14-8, and 5-6. Clemson, 11-10, and 5-6. Boston College, 11 and 11, 5 and 6. Notre Dame, 13 and 8, 4 and 6. Pittsburgh, 13 and 8, 4 and 6. Georgia Tech, 10 and 12, 4 and 7. Miami, 
11 and 9, 3 and 7. North Carolina, 10 and 11, 3 and 7. And Wake Forest at the bottom of the ACC, 10 and 11, and 3 and 8. The Ken Palm ratings, for those of you who are Ken Palm devotees, Duke is second in the Ken Palm ratings as of this morning. Louisville, 8. Florida State, 18. And then a significant fall from there. Syracuse, 53. Virginia, 54. Notre Dame, 57. Then another bit of a dip. NC State, 70. Pitt, 81. Virginia Tech, 84. Georgia Tech, 91. Clemson, 94. Carolina, 97. Wake Forest, 104. Miami, 116. And then another precipitous drop-off to Boston College at 162 in the Ken Palm ratings. Of course, we mentioned Carolina and Florida State. Go at it tonight. Also, we won't go into the entire net rankings, but as of this morning, we have three ACC teams in the top 15 of the net ratings. Duke 6, Louisville 7, Florida State 15. We'll talk about this coming up on the next few programs, but kind of unusual to see the ACC in this odd state where you have a top-heavy league, then you have a bunch of teams basically punching at each other in the middle of the league, and then you have kind of the uh, bottom dwellers of the league. But we always kind of talk about the Tuesday in Greensboro and the way the ACC tournament shakes out. If you thought the ACC tournament had stakes before, this year's ACC tournament is going to be wild because teams will be battling for seeding in the NCAA. They'll be battling to make the NCAA to begin with. It's going to be a wild ride in Greensboro. Only a month or so before we get there. And that, folks, brings us to a close for the first ever episode of Locked On ACC. Glad you joined. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your senators. Be right back here on Locked On ACC tomorrow. Again, you can tweet the program at Locked On ACC. Send us an email, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you again. Topics, thoughts, segment ideas, whatever it may be. Until tomorrow, I am Brian Wilmer. This is Locked On ACC, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. See you Tuesday, everyone. Love you. Mean it. (laughs)